This talk was given at the North Carolina Zen Center. Our program is made possible with the support of our members and friends. If you'd like to make a donation or become a member, please visit us at www.nczencenter.org. We have found that one can aid their own understanding of a Dharma talk, or Taisho, if you sit in meditation beforehand, and we encourage you in this practice. I recently had the opportunity a few weeks ago to do a seven-day sashim at Zen Mountain Monastery in upstate New York. Um, it's a quiet spot in the Catskill Mountains, and it's a, a hulking stone fortress of a church that was built, I think, maybe the 1920s. All I know is it's wood and stone there that were old when I was young. Um, and it's been 40 years of Zen Monastery um, in the tradition of John Daidu Lori, whose book, um, whose book Heart of Being we use in our annual precepts class. It's my first time in a Zen monastic environment and I was struck by a lot of things which reflected the depth of practice there. Um, you know, the energy of daily practice. <laughs> happening year by year, the, the deeply held quiet, worn spots on the um, bowing mat where people's knees have fallen for years of daily prostrations, long lines for Dokusan and chanting that felt like it came from the marrow, as Teshin was talking about earlier. Up at 4.25 in the morning, walking from the guest house to the main house for coffee and watching a young resident there each morning lighting six thick sticks of incense and putting them between her fingers, waiting there to accompany the Roshi as he offers the incense to various Buddha figures throughout the building before coming at last into the Zendo to offer incense um, as we settle into the first meditation period of the day. And settle into the palpable presence of decades of practice, not just in the Zendo, but on the faces of some of the older monastics, some of whom, as I heard one of them say on the last day, have been there most of my adult life, he said. And he was a fairly old fellow. I've always been drawn to the energy of sincere spiritual practice. My father, an Episcopal priest, consecrating bread and wine Sunday by Sunday, lost in the, in the beauty of the language and the magic of that moment. My mother, deep in contemplative prayer with, with clear eyes and a smile of joy. When I was a kid in the late 60s, early 70s, I used to go to a bookshop in town. My primary goal was to check out the new issues of um, Mad Magazine. That was, that was really why I was there. But on the way back to the magazine rack, each time I'd go, 
I'd always stop to look at a particular book. The cover of the book bore a photo of an Indian man whose face looked to me beatific, calm, happy. And the back cover of the book spoke of a science of breath, a unity of life and worship of worldly action and the divine. Years later, I think by coincidence, my brother gave me that same book for Christmas. And there on the cover was this same beautiful face. And at last I read it. It was a ripping good story of gurus and disciples of miracles and ordinary practice. Does anybody know the book I'm talking about, Cindy? It sounds familiar, but I don't know. I'll probably never read it too. I bet you have. Uh-huh. The autobiography of a yogi, Paramahansa. Oh, yeah. Yogananda. This practice of, of Paramahansa speaks of Kriya Yoga. Um, a yogic practice, which is an interesting word, kind of an adjective form of the word yoga, a direct body spiritual technique to develop what it promises is a continuous awareness of the power of the indwelling soul. And I loved this idea of a yogic practice, something that wasn't just to understand, but something to do consciously and with purpose. Meditation techniques that, created a, that create a union of body, mind, and soul. Now last Saturday, by chance, really, I watched a documentary on Parahamsa Yogananda only then to come into the Zendo the next morning, last week, with our guest speaker, Roshi Mato Moore, who, among other things, spoke strongly of the need of an embodied practice of Zen. He reminded us that Zen is not primarily an intellectual or psychological practice but that it must, in Meta Roshi's words, engage and harness the practitioner's whole being, the body, the breath, our subtle energetic system and mind. Such whole being practice, he told us, is the source of Zen's directness and power to transform our way of experiencing life. Whole being practice is the source of Zen's directness and power to transform our way of experiencing life. Zen is not primarily an intellectual or psychological practice. That is such an easy and appealing thought. And ironically, it pretty much sums up the difficulty in Zen practice that many of us have. I mean, it certainly has been for me. I can think for a long time about how Zen isn't an intellectual practice. 
I love to read Dharma. I love to write. I love to think about things, to consider ideas. And of course, this activity found its way into my practice. Because, you know, that's what humans do. We learn. We think. And it's taken me a long time to begin to just feel in my body how Zazen mind, Zazen consciousness, awareness, concentration, samadhi, to just feel in my body that this is a different thing than my normal processes of thought. So different really that I'm finding deep samadhi can't really be approached through those same thought processes. Now we hear this in one of our Thursday evening chants, Affirming Faith in Mind. It tells us, the great way is without limit, beyond the easy and the hard. If there's a trace of right and wrong, true mind is lost, confused, distraught. If mind does not discriminate, all things are as they are, as one. Both gain and loss, the chant goes on, and right and wrong, once and for all, get rid of them. All is self-revealing, void and clear, without exerting power of mind. The wise at all times and places awaken to this primal truth. So we create a different form of awareness. We allow a different form of awareness, something not so brain-centric, something not so up here and even up in our upper body, but in our, in our head. Not something separate from us or separate from that, of course, just something differently settled in the body. In my zazen over the last few months, I've been opening ways into my body, ways to bring my sense of awareness out of my head into my belly in what we talk about as the hara. Or if you're in martial arts, you may have heard it called the Dantian. And we've been talking about this a lot in our Thursday evening discussions that we do after, um, after sitting. If you think about the system of thought that is the body's energy, the body's energetics, chi, if you will, and a system of meridians through which this energy flows, much as arteries and veins transport the blood, and the hara is both the seat, the origin, and a storage place for our body's energy. And where we're talking about, if you can find your navel and then come down about two inches or so, and then come in about two inches or so. The hara is the physical center of the body, the anatomical center. But it's also the center, as I said, of our body's more subtle energies, our 
our energy of spirit, our life force, our chi, whatever you want to call it. The Hara has been described as the root of the tree of life. I love that. The foundation of breath, body, awareness. So in cultivating our awareness down here in the belly, engaging the Hara in each breath, I've begun to find a sense of, of balance in my sitting. I mean, a physical balance, certainly, and I want to talk about that in a couple of minutes, but more sort of an emotional, mental, and energetic balance. Now, I'm not talking about awakening here. I'm not talking about enlightenment. I'm just talking about awareness, a different kind of awareness, a different root for our awareness. One that doesn't involve that, that small M mind. It's an awareness that is without the discursive, discriminating mind. That mind, just not involved. Just presence. Just being in the moment, in the breath, in the koan. What is presence? I mean, it's such a large and powerful word. And some take it as a challenge, a call for me to be attentive, be present. But where am I and where is my attention. Is it where my eyes, my ears, and my mind direct me? What if we just let that go? What if we just don't engage with that? Which brings some questions then. What is it to be aware of the breath without using the discriminating, evaluative mind? What is it to count the breath, to work with Mu in the body, allowing the mind to be relieved because we've withdrawn our call for the mind's discernment within the divisions of separation. Just not doing that. To find a new center of awareness in the body. Low, deep, in the heart to disemploy the thinking mind, to transform and transfer its energy to a lower bodily-centered place of intuitive understanding. Mm. 
Mato Moore calls this aspect of Zen a stream of yogic spirituality. Again, not primarily an intellectual or psychological practice, but rather an embodied practice which engages our whole being, the body, the breath, our subtle energetic system, the mind, as one. An internal energetic cultivation. And how do we do that? Again, really nice words, you know, nice thoughts. And like you, I have sat on these cushions plenty of times thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner, the fact that my knee hurts. Am I going to go to Dokasan? I hope they made coffee there in the kitchen for afterward. It happens. An internal energetic cultivation. How do we do that? That's a big question. And I, you know, it's one that I'm not really qualified to answer, even if we had the time, because I'm still really exploring that myself and learning that myself. But I do know from growing experience, I've done a lot of sitting this year. I do know that affecting this internal energetic cultivation, moving my center of awareness and Zazen from my mind down into my body, into my Hara is helping me deepen my practice. Just to be with my breath, to intone move to just breathe move without the support or perhaps the interference of the thinking mind. Now, as I said, I'm no expert here, but I can talk for a couple of minutes about things that I've been experiencing with and ex experimenting with and experiencing with more vitality. And I'd like to talk for just a minute and ask you to experiment with me about posture and about breath. Obviously, there are a lot of postures in the room. Some use chairs, some are uh, taking cross legged positions, be it uh, Burmese posture or quarter lotus, half lotus. I rarely see people doing full lotus these days. But there are two aspects, or using a seiza bench like this, or pillows to, 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 to do a kneeling posture. Whatever that posture is, I've been really working with the idea of stability and alignment. We always hear that to settle the mind, it's important to settle the body. When your body is rooted with that low center of gravity, stillness is a natural result. And this can take a lot of time to find, to practice, to solidify into an automatic thing as you sit down. Now, if you're sitting in a chair, which I sometimes do as well, 
Stability means sitting up straight, perhaps away from the back of the chair, sitting on the edge of the chair, making sure your feet are both flat on the floor or a cushion. When I sit in a chair, I tend to put a, um, a, a one of our thinner zafus behind my back because the chair wants me to lean back. That's what chairs do. The chair wants me to sit kind of like this. So I'll put a zafu behind my back so that I can have my, my torso straight. If you're sitting on a zafu in a cross-legged position, stability means creating that tripod or on a seiza bench for that matter with your your pelvis and your knees forming three points of contact architecturally the tripod is a very stable form now we might lean forward i certainly have the problem with leaning forward when we're seated in meditation is that it brings the front of the torso up and out, which causes a lot of curve in the lower back. And it kind of restricts the free flow of breath. And our muscles in our back become tired. Sometimes we get the zoning out a little bit and we wind up leaning backward. And that can feel right in our body, like I said, because all of our furniture encourages us to do that. But leaning back, even just a little, sets up a bit of a fight with gravity, which we have to counter with our muscles in our back, which is tiring. And when you're sitting, period after period after period, it adds up. Being straight in Zazen allows the weight of our torso and head to settle down through the spine. Now, being straight in Zazen doesn't mean being rigid. It doesn't mean being stiff. In fact, you want your belly to be relaxed. The breath unobstructed. So what I'd like to invite you to do is just take your meditation posture if you're not already there. And just consider your torso as directly above your pelvis. Let your shoulders be relaxed. More specifically, let your shoulder blades drop a little bit. Imagine that kind of sky hook that just grabs a few wispy hairs of the crown of your head pulling up ever so gently and just feel where your torso is is it straight is it leaning forward is it backward and most importantly is your belly relaxed And I encourage you to play with it for just a minute, making some micro adjustments 
and see if you can feel where that balance on the hara rooted in the belly not in the upper body in the head belly loose I encourage you to experiment with this. When you're sitting and you've begun a meditation period at home or here, a real trap is to continue with those micro adjustments. Once you really start to meditate, commit to your posture, stay with it, even if you know it's not what it might be. Because you get up, you do kinheen, you come down, you get to try it again. But when we make these micro-adjustments all throughout our sitting, and we're wrapped up with what's going on with the self, that's where we are. We're in our evaluative mind, considering is our posture right? Yeah. It's good. It's proper. Let that go. And then alignment, obviously your head should be straight and level. But you'll see people who sometimes really want to pull their chin back. And if you do that for a moment, you can feel the restriction forming here in your belly. It tightens those muscles. And for the breath practice of I'm going to talk about in a moment, these muscles need to be loose. By the same token, you don't want to thrust your chin forward. Your ears really should be over your shoulders. Shoulder blades relaxed, head straight, head level, and your eyes gently cast down. The eyes are kept open. Kind of helps us feel like our sitting is not cut off from everyday activity. And we are encouraged to have a broad field of vision. It's very easy to fixate on designs in the floor or on the wall, if you're sitting facing the wall. But rather, engaging not just the central portion of your field of vision, but the peripheral portions as well. Eyes soft, relaxed, and your field of vision broad.
And then as far as breath goes, there's a lot that can be said about breath. And again, I'm no expert. But if we're thinking of Zazen as a yogic practice, something physical as well as mental, Medo Roshi tells us that as a minimum requirement, we have to become abdominal breathers. You can tell when people around you are breathing abdominally and when they're not. When we're not breathing abdominally, we're breathing from the chest, the upper chest. I find myself doing this a lot when I'm nervous. Shoulders raised, just breathing right here. Abdominal breathing, we feel the belly extend. The diaphragm, this big muscle down here, it contracts downward and our lungs expand. More of our lungs become available for inhalation. And when we exhale, our diaphragm expands, pushing up, naturally pushing the air from the lungs. Abdominal breathing is simply that the belly and chest are relaxed and the diaphragm can move freely with the cycle of each breath. So I'd encourage you, if you're not already familiar with this uh, process, to put your hand there in that spot below the navel a little bit. Find that upright posture. And as you inhale, feel that belly expand. And as you exhale, how it naturally contracts. If you're going to be rooted in the Hara, if you're going to transform and transfer the energy of the mind down into the belly, into the Hara, then it has to be loose. You have to engage that area with your breath. Because if you're caught in this upper chest, shallow breathing, your whole essence is just caught right here. Right here. We want to bring it down. This abdominal breathing, it's really just a natural and full breath. You watch children breathe, you watch babies breathe. This is how they're breathing. Keshin said this once, and, and next time I was around the baby, I was like, oh yeah. But we forget. In the yogic practice or yogic aspect of Zazen, we have to consider the physical element and not just how this might be affecting our outlook, how this is affecting our thought processes, etc. This is a lot of what's been going in my mind as I've been in and out of the Zendo, and I just wanted to share these ideas with you. I'm interested to hear 
about your own experiences with posture, what has worked for you, what hasn't worked for you, questions you may have about that, or anything else. We've got time. I didn't bring a clock, but um, what time is it? Oh, really? Okay. I believe that heart is also the center of the lymphatic system, which is the pump, basically, for mm-hmm. body. And I know that since I've been focusing on deeper breaths, I can actually, you can actually feel the energy moving mm-hmm. through the body. Yeah. <clears throat> and I feel like between um, poor, my poor flexibility, um, poor general posture, and poor body awareness, it's, it's a challenge mm-hmm. to, um, to, to, to find a comfortable mm-hmm. spot. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it, it takes time. Um, I know that I also have been needing to, and I have been, working to develop the muscles in the center of my back my lower back and my abdomen, which can help offer that support. But again, are you, are you letting your weight sink in your spine and down into your pelvic bones, or are you more supporting the weight with your muscles? And this takes time to find, you know, and you can explore it in a seated position. You can explore it in a standing position like the mountain pose in, in, in yoga. And I'll do that just around the house. I've got a cup of water in the microwave to make tea, and I'll just stand there in mountain pose and breathe and explore that sort of rootedness, you know, especially if you're in the Zendo once a week on a Sunday morning, something like that. It, you know, you need to find time to, to explore this, you know, at other times. So it's a process for sure. You mentioned mountain pose. Mm-hmm. I recently bought like a beginner yoga book, and the first page is mountain pose. Mm-hmm. And it seemed a little silly to start with just standing, but the, um, the instructions it was giving me, I didn't realize how much goes into mm-hmm. just standing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've been starting with that, and it has been helpful. Yeah. A long time ago, I took a Tai Chi class, and the first several classes were really just standing. Just standing. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've read a couple places that seem to be um, some different, different ways of looking at it. I guess I've read that your belly, as you breathe in and out, shouldn't move that much. But I've also never read that it should be, like you just said, should be able to feel it, expand and contract. Mm-hmm. Which, which, actually, I was going to bring this up in the Yeah. 
personally, I just let my belly do what my belly does as I breathe. I do sometimes, what's the word I want? Accentuate? Is that? Yeah. Uh, the, the contraction of my belly to get a, a more full exhale that I may have a more full inhale. Um, and Teshin, you may want to chime in on, on that. I don't know in terms of belly movement that Steve was just mentioning. <clears throat> An amount. The most important thing is to not know if it should, should be like this or should be like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just let the, it's, it's coming back to the baby thing that Sean mentioned, which is that we, we, this is a natural condition for us. Yeah. We just know that we want to Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I just let the belly do what the belly does, but. It's so important to observe what's happening with your posture and the impact it makes on your torso and how it may or may not be restricting the movement of your belly as you inhale and exhale. For me, that's been a lot of postural exploration. I found that playing around with the height that I'm sitting has been kind of helpful in finding more comfortable and, and stable posture. What do you mean the height that you're sitting like, Oh, for the height of your cushion. It's pretty nuts and bolts, I guess, but it, it's, it's been very helpful for me, especially in the stability yeah. of the posture. Yeah. And you'll see people will take extra pillows and put them under their zafu to raise that up. These benches come at different heights for that reason. Yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts on where, um, as I'm sitting, uh, there's certain pains where I do start to worry if I, you know, if I don't find a better position, then I'm going to be causing permanent damage to myself. Which you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, um, it, it's, it's difficult for me to, figure out is it something I should just sit still with mm -hmm. or is it really something I should adjust? Mm -hmm. I can't answer that, obviously. Um, if you feel, I mean, zazen can, can be difficult physically and the knees can hurt. Um, and we are encouraged to sit still. We're encouraged to breathe into the pain um, because right away our mind is saying oh that hurts oh that's not good oh i should change oh i'm not doing this right whatever it is and to bypass that and just be with it and breathe into it that much said you have to use your own intuition especially if you're new to to zazen you're new in these postures um you're not particularly flexible whatever it is um if you are really are concerned then you should change your posture, right? Either at that moment or consider the idea of changing your posture uh, in between periods. So when we do Sashin, um, which is like a five day or seven day retreat, and it's a lot of sitting, um, I will go back and forth between a chair and the Seiza bench because it allows my body to um, absorb the stresses of sitting 
in different ways. If you're sitting in a, in a, in a cross-legged posture, it can be helpful from one period to the next. If you're in, in a Burmese posture, for instance, with the two feet together, one period you have one foot in front and the next period you have the other foot in front. Or one period you have one foot up on the leg and the other period you have the other foot up on the opposite leg and to just change it around. But a good yoga practice and stretching really does impact our ability to sit more comfortably.